United Lutheran Seminary presents the Seminary Explores podcast, conversations on faith, art, people, politics, theology, life, and more, with voices from around the corner and around the globe. Good day. Welcome to the Seminary Explores. My name is Nelson Strobert, and today my guest is Prue Engel Jelenic, who is a retired Church of the Brethren pastor, and also, incidentally, a graduate of the Lutheran Theological Seminary at Gettysburg, now United Lutheran Seminary. Welcome to the Seminary Explores, Prue. Thank you. Oh, it's good to have you here, and uh, we're here for an interesting conversation, I think, uh, because you've been doing a lot of work in genealogy, particularly with your family. And I'm interested in knowing, when did you begin this interest? Well, somewhere way back when I was in high school and college, I don't exactly remember what got me started, but I began with looking at my father's family, the Engels. Um, I can trace them back to coming to Pennsylvania Colony in 1754, which makes me the eighth generation of the Engels here in America. Mm Yeah, I've been, I've traced them all down, found uh, tombstones and cemeteries, so um, I learned mainly just the descendants, the names, the dates, that kind of thing. Okay. I, then I kind of let go of it, and after retiring uh, in 2010, around 2012, I became very interested in my mother's roots, mm-hmm. which, unlike my dad's, which are in central Pennsylvania, hers are in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. Oh, okay. Was that a surprise for you? Uh... No, actually, um, from the time I was an infant, uh, my mom and my grandmother, who was born in Virginia, went down to what we called the old family homestead, just south of Harrisonburg. Uh, My grandmother's family lived there for 150 years, and every summer, Mom and I would go down and spend a month there with some of my uh, grandmother's relatives there. And what got me really interested was trying to discover the truth or not of a family legend, which said that, that that farmstead was the next one to be burned in 1864 when General Sheridan was in the Shenandoah Valley and began burning uh, barns and homes and rounding up livestock as what was known as the burning. And that's what really got me immersed in my mom's family. Oh, okay. Uh, it, when you started that, uh, uh, what resources were available uh, to you? Well, it kind of began with that question. Uh, my mom also had a book, one of three, on the wine family. And my great-great-grandmother was Rebecca Wine, who married a John Bowman. So I began with that. Uh, one thing led to another. One of my main resources was 
almost like hearing the dead speaking to me, was a six-volume set of books called The Unionists and the Civil War Experience in the Shenandoah Valley. And what the authors have done with that is go to the National Archives Mm -hmm. and find what they call the Southern Claims Commission records, which were records of folks uh, who, after the war, made claims for reparations, monetary reparations from damage done to their farms, homes, uh, during the time that the Union Army was in the valley. And in there, I found claims from many members of my extended family, and it really gave me a greater insight into their experience and what was happening to them. So that was the major one. But I've also used um, Church of the Brethren history books uh, about the Shenandoah Valley, the Brethren in Virginia. Actually, my great-grandmother's picture is in one of those. Oh, so my. I, yeah, I began to realize that that this family during the 1860s were kind of in the midst of a lot of things going on during... dealing with the Civil War. And so one thing led to another. And uh, that that was some of my primary research more recently into my family's experience during those years. Oh, that's very interesting. And which uh, brings me to to this next question. And that is um, that you've written several important articles uh, about that, the Shenandoah Valley. And you also, particularly, I'm thinking of, uh, you have an article on uh, Colonel um, John Neff, and yes. and then another article on um, um, Uncle John Bowman. And uh, I wanted to know, so those, those articles emerged out of your curiosity and your research in that area. Yes, they, they really were a surprise to me, both, both topics. Uh, I always thought that my grandmother's family, now she was not born till after the war, mm-hmm. but uh, two, two older siblings uh, were living during then. And I always thought that all six of her siblings, including herself, were born there in Virginia on the old homestead. But in looking through some items that my mom had, I found a obituary for one of my grandmother's sisters and said she was born in Montgomery, Ohio, Oh, Montgomery County, Ohio, mm-hmm. when the family went there as refugees ah. during 1864. And it was kind of a what? <laughs> and, and so doing more research, I did find out that there was what they called the General Sheridan Refugee Train. Uh, during that time of burning that mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, uh, he, he took pity on the folks in the valley there who were losing their homes, their, their livestock, their, right. their livelihood, and offered empty supply wagons from the Union Army to people who would like to leave the valley and go to either north uh, or west. Okay. into Union-held territory. And I did learn that uh, uh, Uncle John Bowman, uh, in that case, was my great, 
great-grandfather, uh, and his whole family, extended family, and some of the other folks were part of that refugee wagon train. And they, they went to Ohio, stayed there till the end of the war, and then came back to the homestead. So that was my first surprise. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the second surprise was, was Colonel Neff. Uh, I come from generations of pacifist, non-resistant Anabaptist. I'm just kind of brethren almost through and through. Right. And so I expected that all my ancestors or relatives uh, would have not participated in war. But in reading through that wine family book, I discovered that a first cousin of my great-grandfather, who was actually a son of a dunker or brethren minister, mm-hmm. uh, kind of jumped the gun, you know, literally, and went astray and became a uh, Confederate colonel in the Stonewall Jackson Brigade in the and that just really intrigued me. Well, it seems to me he really was against the family religious tradition. Yes, he was in many ways. But what became even more interesting to me was what happened in his relationship with his father, who I mentioned was a, a dunker. Right. Um, they really had a very strained relationship uh, as young John Neff was growing up because he wanted an education. He, he just wanted to do everything that was kind of opposed by the brethren at that point. Um, he even ran away from home in order to earn money for an education, which his father was denying him. But he became very ill. Uh, his father invited him home and ended up actually paying for young John to go to the Virginia Military Institute. Uh, Later, as I say, when John joined the Confederate Army, uh, he was welcomed on a visit home by his parents. His father stayed in touch with him during the war. And really, I think his relationship with his Confederate son reminded me of what it means to love your enemies. That here was a son, a member of his own household, who was really doing everything that uh, the elder Neff, you know, did not believe in. Right. And yet he was able to maintain a loving relationship when the colonel was killed early in the war at Second Manassas in August of 1862. His father had his body brought home to to their farm and, and buried in the family cemetery. So I have just pondered that story for years now. Uh, it, it's been an inspiration to me to think, how could that man love his son who... <laughs> you know, had just really rejected everything that that he deeply believed in. Indeed. And he was very young when he died, if I recall. He was. He was was a week shy of 28. Oh, my. Yeah. And also a very, very very bright and capable uh, military person. Yes, yes. He, uh, he, he wrote, but he didn't exactly rise to the ranks. It was interesting. He became adjutant 
of the 33rd Virginia Regiment uh, soon after the Battle of First Manassas mm-hmm. in 1861. And then um, his his fellow soldiers liked him so much that when uh, there was a reorganization of the army in April of 1862, he was voted almost unanimously to become the colonel of their regiment. And everything that I've read speak very highly of him as as a person, as a commander, um, that he was very well liked and respected. Oh, indeed, indeed. Uh, I'd like to know, uh, uh, you, you're still uh, continuing your, your research uh, into your family. Um, are there new questions that have come to you uh, about your family or, or questions that you would like to uh, find out more, more about? Uh, uh, one of the things that my husband and I keep talking about, we haven't done it yet, would be a trip to Ohio uh, to the area where the family went. Uh, during the war. I know there are still some historic places out there. There are some cemeteries that hold family members. And I just thought uh, it might be fun to kind of pursue that that side of the story. Uh, the, the other thing is I've not really gone into the stories on my father's side. Uh, I've kind of just learned, you know, the dates and the names, yeah. mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if there might be some of these interesting stories that would crop up uh, in his side, but I have not pursued that yet at this point. Oh, okay. Um, uh, are there, uh, as you look at the research that you have done on, on your family, uh, particularly on your mother's side, uh, are there uh, any significant uh, any dates that are significant for you personally? Well, I think I, that was a little more difficult question for me, but the dates that I kind of like are 1839 to 1959, oh. which was the 120 years that six generations of her family lived in the old homestead in Virginia. Okay. Uh, that that house, it's a beautiful, it's still standing. Oh, really? It's, a, it's still there. It almost was torn down back in the early 1960s when the farm was sold mm-hmm. and uh, the, the purchaser turned the area, turned the farm into a housing development. Oh. And he almost tore the house down, but it's a very historic historic house. It was built in 1793, and I'm forever glad that he preserved it. So it is still there. It's built over three still-flowing springs underneath, and uh, it's been modernized. I have been back in the house uh, since it's been remodeled, but it is still there. And Growing up, I always thought someday I would go back and buy that house. Ah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of, it's dear to my heart, and there's a lot of wonderful memories down there. Uh, So I have just a lot of connection with with that old house there. Okay. Oh, good. Um, uh, and and I, I and you mentioned that it still exists. I was going to ask whether it still existed, and uh, that's amazing. That's amazing when so much gets torn down uh, in our yeah. areas. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it it, it uh, but there's 18 inch stone walls. As I said, there are uh, three springs still flowing through the basement. Of course, it's it's lost its ambiance because it was on a 200 acre farm with right. timber, and and now they're just houses yeah. all around it. But but the outside of the house is still as it always was. The, the inside, of course, has been modernized. Okay. Um, when you re- reflect on your research and your family, what connections have you made between the Church of the Brethren and your family? They, it seems to me, from my brief reading, I, my uh, reading of the two articles, that, that uh, religion played a significant role in the life of your family. Yes, it did. Um, Going way back, uh, as I said, uh, on both sides, uh, there's been a very strong part of religion. Uh, on my dad's side, one of the surprises was that uh, the Engels who came over were uh, Swiss and German Anabaptists, probably Mennonites. Okay. But soon after arriving, uh, one of my umpteenth great-grandfathers, uh, Jacob Engel, actually was one of the founders of the River Brethren Church, which is today's Brethren in Christ Church. But I have found books on the history of that church which do list him as, if not the founder, at least one of the leading founders of of that denomination. Mm -hmm. On my mom's side, there are (laughs) pastors and deacons and elders and uh, missionaries into the uh, frontier area of Virginia. Uh, They helped to found some of the earliest uh, Brethren churches in the uh, Shenandoah Valley around Harrisonburg. So, yeah, I've got a whole line of uh, ministers who kind of joined the great uh, circle of saints around me. Well, and and certainly uh, 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 one might say that uh, uh, they are in, in, it's in your blood, uh, <laughs> having, having I, I, been gone I, actually, to study I'm, theology. <laughs> right, I'm sitting here at my desk, and there's a great big portrait of my great-grandfather staring down at me, and he was an elder in the church. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, indeed. Um, uh, one final question, that is, what advice might you give to others uh, desiring to do family research and, uh, and, just, uh, and, and follow that trail? What advice right. might you give? Well, I think, first of all, if you can do it, it's going to be full of surprises, and you'll meet some wonderful people. And I know a lot of people say, well, well how do I get started? And one of the simple Two simple ways, maybe. Do any members of your family have any old stuff? Uh, You know, is there a box here somewhere with a picture or Mm -hmm. newspaper clippings or anything that would give you names and dates and a place to start? And, of course, there's always Ancestry. There are other databases to follow. Uh, History books sometimes uh, will turn up. I have just met uh, on my journey actually some descendants of uh, Colonel Neff's family. And one great-great-granddaughter sent me a huge box of research that her mother 
had put together, which was just a gem uh, and really helped launch my research in, into the Neff family. So just begin where you are. Are there some older relatives that you could interview, um, you know, to pick up some stories? Right. And, of course, there are church minutes, library archives, um, just a lot of things out there. Um, you know, go to a local library, uh, see if there might be any information there. So just just begin at any point you can, and usually it's kind of a dot to dot that one piece of information will point you in a new direction or another person, and uh, it it just really can be a, a fun and as I say often surprising. Um, pursuit. Oh, great. Well, I, I can't believe our time is up already. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But you've given me food for thought, and I'm sure um, you've probably piqued the interest of some, uh, some of our listeners in doing their family research. So I want to thank well, you I again. Hope, I hope that's so. Uh-huh. And thank you, Nelson, so much. <laughs> right. Um, my guest today has been Prue Engel Yelenik, who has been talking to us about her work in genealogy and particularly with her family. For the Seminary Explorers, this is Nelson Strobert. Have a good day. You have been listening to The Seminary Explorers, a production of United Lutheran Seminary with campuses in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We invite you to visit our website at unitedlutheranseminary.edu. All opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of United Lutheran Seminary or the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America.